Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sidner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with creators and artists from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul from Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. We hope you enjoy the show. episode of Mouthing Off, a theater, arts, and culture podcast online and on Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. I'm Kevin Couchman, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, my collaborators, my co-conspirators, Amanda Forstrom. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy to be back and talk to our special guest today. So oh, looking yeah. forward to it. It's going to be wild. Bring it. Bring it on. It's going to be another theater pod. We're excited. And then Mari Sittner. Mari, how are you? Good. Excited to be back on the old-timey radio. We love the old-timey radio. It occurred to me that I don't have one in my home. And I was I was tempted when we had our premiere, right? When we were finally on the air, I, I was thinking, "Oh, do I go out to the car?" I'm like, "It's still a little <laughs> too cold." Uh, and and uh, but it was really cool to hear. We're very glad to be here. You can find us at badmouthtc.com. And as ever, we're just queuing up guests. If you or someone you know, particularly in the Twin Cities area, Greater Minnesota, maybe even Hudson. We talked about that. We'll we'll let we'll let them on. Uh, just email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com. And we have a very special guest, a playwright, Monty D. Montalegre. And I'm gonna introduce Monty here. Uh, this is right from his website. Uh, he, and he gave us permission to do this. So uh, when Monty D. Montalegre was young, he wanted to be an astronaut. Then he found theater, writing, and music. They've been on a trip to the moon ever since. Monty graduated with a BFA in theater studies from Nebraska Wesleyan University in 2018. His work's been published by Drama Notebook, Z Publishing, and The Flintlock. His plays have been on stage with the, the Act One One Act Festival, where it reached finals, the Here We Go Winter Festi Festival, the inaugural play reading for the Fifth Avenue Theater. Uh, they've produced shows with Cut Edge Collective, Rogue Theater Company, and Denver Fringe. Digitally, they've done work with the Equity Library Theater, Caravan Theater, and the Quarantine Virtual Fringe Festival. And he has won awards from True Acting Institute, Smith & Krause, and Denver Fringe. Monty, welcome hello, to hello. Mouthing Off. All right, Monty's here. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm getting all pumped up from all these kind words. Oh, well, we're pumped up to have you. And of course, people who uh, know uh, Bad Mouth and, and what we did last year, 2022, already know of Monty. They maybe even listened to the first interview we did with him because he was part of our reading series. His spectacular, I think, Mari, you called it wacky. Uh, that's, the, that's the right word, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all read like a metaphor or something. And if you go into the back catalog of Mouthing Off, which again is at the website, badmouthtc.com, you can listen to Monty's outstanding one-act play. So you will know of which we speak. Monty, why don't we start there? I know we've Absolutely. already talked about it. I love that play. And um, let's start with Amanda, maybe. Amanda, what was it like to play one of the one of the skeletons in the play? To play in that play, what was it like? It was so much fun, <laughs> and it's like every actor's dream. You just like the bigger, the the bigger, the better, and go big or go home. And you know there is no wrong choice. I don't think which is just so fun. And it's also an ensemble piece, which also makes it really fun. So everybody is kind of playing all these different things. I mean, I played a horse, loved every second of it. <laughs> Yo, you ate scenery with that horse. You chewed that up. 
It was the best monologue I think I've ever performed. It's it's one of the best ones I've ever written. I love that monologue in that play. It is just so good. Well, and Monty, so tell people a little bit about this play, It's All Red, and then maybe tell us about the horse in particular. uh, (laughs) All right, all right. So It's All Red Like a Metaphor or Something is about an hour-long play comprised of several vignettes. Uh, The play is about the decadence of the color red and self-defeating prophecies. And it can also be a lot about a lot of other things in there. And one of these involves some gambling and someone betting on a horse and that horse comes on and the horse gives a nice big hearty monologue about how much loneliness it feels in its life. And also how much of just a, bad apple that horse is in every relationship it comes across. Uh, And it's a lot of fun. And I wrote that monologue and because it's a vignette play rather than a long narrative, I put that as close to where a climax would be as possible. So I really like that monologue. I think that comes over and it came over in Amanda's reading. Amanda, when you were working on the horse, what were you channeling? What were you thinking? What were you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) What am I always thinking, Kevin? I don't, I never know. Um, I think, you know, the the old 1930s movie stars and -hmm. like this very dramatic, um, oh gosh, there's a fun meme where this woman is like, I'm not dramatic at all. And then she like faints and falls down the staircase. That Mm -hmm. is how I imagined this horse in my head. And so, you know, that's use the memes for real life. It's great. I remember when we were rehearsing this uh, and we, we principally these readings we rehearsed on Zoom uh, and, and not really in the room. Uh, and then we record the Zoom and then we go over to Waldman Brewery, who are kind of almost like they're like an official almost they're like a partner of of bad mouth so definitely check out waldman brewery and that's where we're going to be doing our our three um reading events this year all the information's at the website going to be a lot of fun you got to check them out um but i remember we got into the room at waldman and the first scene has all these skeletons uh and amanda you just brought so much physicality to the skeleton, you were flopping around, kind of doing doing the robot, but like a floppy robot. And I just thought, wow, this is gonna be this is gonna be tremendous. Just that <laughs> that physical presence uh, was so much fun. Did you prep that in private, Amanda, or were you more just like feeling it out in the in the moment? I kind of was feeling it out a little bit uh, beforehand when we were rehearsing and kind of thinking about like how skeletons move and, and do they move and when do they have control or just kind of flop? And it, yeah, it turned out really fun. Like what, what you saw, it was just kind of unexpected, but fun to play around in that body for it. (laughs) And Will, Monty, I want to hear a lot more about the origin of this play, but first, since we're on the subject of skeletons, I think it was in a back channel, like a bad mouth back channel where we determined that skeletons are comic, but skulls are scary. Yes. Mari, you came up with that tremendous insight. Do do you remember what the context was there, Mari? I mean, there's so many skeletons in this play. I don't remember. Yeah, but we were talking about it, and I thought that's so funny. It's so true. Why are skeletons funny? I, I, we, I don't know. Probably because they're naked. I think that's probably that's probably the reason. We don't have to go too yes. far into it, but yeah, that's, that's, that's probably why. Yeah, the right, the flopping, and, and also, also it, and the sound that the bones make. It's kind of this like, you know, <laughs> like almost like um, like uh, you know, uh, the xylophone, xylophone. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> That's exactly yes. what I was thinking. The xylophone's a funny instrument. It is. It is very much. Oh wow! I know a tremendous uh, guy uh, who plays. Um, the the xylophone i don't even know if that's what he would call it but he's like a total savant we have to get him on the podcast he he, his name is uh 
Chappy Milkshake. Chappy Milkshake. Shout out to that guy. <laughs> Got to get him on the pod. He's like he he's between L.A. and and New York. And there was this is an aside, but there was one one time it was my birthday, and I had him on for a, a different like interview podcast earlier in the day. And I'm like, man, man, do you take requests? Because he was playing. He was playing a set at this little bar and restaurant that we kind of we kind of ran the place. And I'm like, dude, play immigrant song on the on the xylophone. And midway through his set, he's like, you know, happy birthday, Kevin. But bum, 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 I'm like, what? <laughs> Who are you? He's like, this is easy. This is nothing, man. This is nothing. But, uh, and, you know, and Monty, I think you're channeling a rock and roll vibe with your playwriting. I think you're you're maybe like the John Bonham of, of playwrights right now. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully you don't go out the same way. Uh, I'm trying not to, trying to hang on a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Try to, yeah. In any case, so what? tell people the origin of it's all red like a metaphor or something. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> the origin of this is I was in therapy and my therapist said I needed to start keeping a journal and I did, and then I wrote this instead. So <laughs> a lot of the vignettes come from personal experiences uh, or personal thoughts. Like it, I started writing this during, and I think I talked about this in the last interview. Uh, I started writing this when the uh, big boom of the GameStop stock mm. picked up. And that's where that first vignette comes from, where... The skeleton has suddenly got rich, and that's why they can't do what they want to do. Because um, now they have all this money, and they don't want the money to go to any. <laughs> Did you... I'm so curious as to how you said you were writing this instead of journaling. And I'm so curious, because it's not a narrative story structure, mm -hmm. like you mentioned... How did you structure it with these little vignettes? Did you kind of mix them up and see what worked and like, you know, what, what was the crescendo, if you will, or. So when I first wrote it, I just, I sat down, I would sit down, I'd write one of the scenes. And whenever I got bored, that's when the scene was over. <laughs> and then I would go on and I'd write another one on something else. And when I got to the second draft, I rearranged them so that they all ended up in a spot that I thought would rhythmically work so that uh, uh, like I, the first one I knew needed to be the first one because that is the one that is the most intense. And I want to get that out of the way. And the middle one, I wanted it to be in the middle. And then the last one, the last two, I think needed to be the last two. And in between it, it's just about finding the connective path that I could, that I think would work between because the middle one is, a silent scene of, I think, a bag of bones walking across a stage, knocking over a bunch of chairs and getting a cookie. And I think that <laughs> that is a good replacement for an intermission because I want I don't want people to get up. It's not a long enough show for that, but it does need a little bit of a break in the middle. So we have this silent pantomime scene, uh, which is also comes from the time I got hit by a car and injured my hip and was walking with a limp for a while. Oh, no. Um, and how I was, I'm still willing to go get a cookie, even if I have a limp. Uh, and, or like the gambling one where like I was buying scratch tickets for a while. I did not make it big on scratch tickets. But when you win a little bit, it's fun. Then you go and you buy a video game and you move on with your life. <laughs> it's better than the other way, buying more scratchers. Oh, you go down I used the, to, right. I used mm. to work at a gas station and. Uh, and watch people mm. come in and just buy hundreds of dollars every day. If you are, I don't want to, boy, if you have a gambling problem, get help. It's, an, mm -hmm. it's obviously an addiction like anything else. If you go bankrupt from scratchers, you don't even have a cool story. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's rough. That is that's rough so... going. Wow. It's, when did you like, get hit by a car? I was, uh, I was actually at a protest in New York City. And uh, a guy rushed, he came to, we blocked off a street corner. He came up to the line of the people blocking. He turned his car around and he came back and he tried to rush it. Uh, and I'm 250 pounds and white. So I stood there and he stopped right in front of me, but he got close enough that I put my hands on the hood. Oh, no. And it, um, 
or some cartilage in my hip. I still have a little bit of a limp, but it's mm. fine. I did Sorry physical therapy. It was great. Mm. And you managed to get a cookie. I did manage to get a lot of cookies. Yeah. I felt like I had <laughs> them. Yes. Right. Kind of a, right. A Pavlovian thing. You got to, <laughs> got to come back strong. Well, I'm glad uh, nothing, nothing worse than that happened, Monty. It's yeah. good. Yeah. We don't want you to go. Don't go full Bonham. Don't leave us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, we love doing this play and this is not a play with a beginning, a middle and an end. This play is a vibe uh, uh, for sure. And you wrote this. So you must have been writing this like in 2020 ish. Uh, yeah, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Now, the other thing that you've got going, well, you got a lot going on. Uh, I want to talk on this episode about your your Midwest connection because you spent time mm-hmm. in, in Nebraska. I think you know the Twin Cities. You're familiar with. Yeah, uh, I, I was yeah, born yeah. in Omaha, Nebraska. I went to school in Lincoln, Nebraska. And after I got out of school, I lived in the Twin Cities for a year. Oh, right on. What year? Um, 2018 to 2019. So like September, 2018 to August, 2019. Dynamite. We're going to do, we're going to do our best to lure you back, to give you a reason to come back at some, <laughs> ju- at some juncture. Uh, I do so like be- the Twin Cities. I really enjoyed living there. Well, and, and where, where were you, were you from Nebraska? I can't recall. Yeah, I'm from Nebraska. I, okay. I grew up in Omaha. All right. You grew up in Omaha and you studied theater. Mm-hmm. I was going to, originally I was going to do music, but I got talked out of that and I did theater instead. I still got the music minor. So I still, you know, listened to all the music theory stuff, took some composition courses, but my major was theater studies. I'm actually uh, just applied to grad schools. I'm starting to hear back. Oh, right. What do you want to, you want to go get your MFA? Yeah, I'm looking to get an MFA and maybe become a professor somewhere. Okay. All right. More sustainable career choice than what I've done so far. Sure. Yeah, it's good work if you can get it. Well, maybe on a back channel, I want to hear where you applied and everything. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's a bit of a, a slog. I wish you all the yeah. best. That is yeah, fingers, fingers crossed for you. Luckily, yeah. it, I'm at the point where I did all the work, and now people just get to wait to tell me no. Nice. And I've already accepted that answer, so anything else is a pleasant surprise. As long as you continue putting yourself out out there, there will always be rejection. It oh, yeah. never stops. So if you're in the arts or in theater, you have to just love getting rejected, getting criticized, or you got to let it like, you got to be like a duck. You just, it just got to roll mm-hmm. right off your back and keep going for Every sure. Time. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Every time well, I that, apply to something, I assume it's going to be a no. Right. And then I, sometimes it's a yes instead. And that's great. Yeah. I assume worse than a no. I assume they're going <laughs> to blacklist me they're gonna come at me on twitter yeah you gotta right <laughs> set the bar just so low uh mm-hmm. that anything positive yeah it's it's being an art an artist and looking for validation it's like uh scuba diving without a tank mm. <laughs> which isn't even scuba diving you're just slowly drowning uh and then but occasionally you get a little little breath of air okay all right things aren't yeah, so it's worth it, though. And, and of course, if you're a real artist, you don't have a choice. Dang, Kevin, I feel like you should write that play. Or Monty, there's a <laughs> scuba play out there somewhere. <laughs> Two playwrights. One has an MFA, the other doesn't. <laughs> They're getting ready to go scuba diving. <laughs> That'd be the most inside baseball. No, we need less theater about theater. We need more theater. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Um, more theater about that. skeletons. Right. Skeletons in the stonk market. Uh, Monty, you also have a podcast. That I do have is a podcast. More, it's, it's got a little more of a story than it's mm-hmm. all read. So why don't you ink, ink pill our listeners? Because if Absolutely. you want get, to get more of Monty's work, you got to check this out. So me and my friend and co-writer Alexander Wolf have been writing a long form uh, audio drama. It's going to go over an entire year every other Monday called Ink the Podcast. Ink the Podcast is a sci-fi office comedy about two aliens that live on a starship that eats worlds. They work the uh, most boring office job on that starship where they collect and categorize all the data that comes from these worlds that the company is consuming for their natural resources. They have to do this job because people planetside feel bad about all of the sentient life that they are eating. 
So to make them feel better, they record all the data of that life and put it in a computer somewhere for nobody to read. And that is how they spend every day of their lives. And it's got a lot of original music in it. The episodes are about half an hour long each. Right. And where can people find this? You can find it anywhere you get podcasts. It's always called Ink the Podcast. INC the Podcast. All right. And where did this uh, one that's a that uh, premise is hilarious. And uh, two, where did this emerge from? Uh, it came from here. One second. I got a cough. Yeah, do it. <laughs> um, yeah. It came from, I think the idea was originally Alex's. And then the justification of this is a job that a bunch of people on the planet wanted to make them feel better came from also from the protests in 2020, seeing how the like renaming of streets to Black Lives Matter, that is not a systemic change. That's not a systematic change. That is repainting a street. It, Cosmetic. And, Could you yeah, do less? Like right? a purely aesthetic change to a very real problem. So we right. applied that to, or we used that to justify how bad this job or how pointless this job would be. We also wanted to tell uh, a sci-fi story. We were very excited about that. And we wanted to be able to do it with aliens. And we adopted something called the Springfield rule, where in the Simpsons, Springfield is never a consistent city. It is set up to be whatever is funniest. Like sometimes Moe's Bar is next door. Sometimes it's across town. <laughs> we did the same thing with the ship. It is so impossibly large that you can't wrap your mind around it. There is a department and a sector for anything you can imagine. Every minute detail is somebody's job. And the aliens themselves are never fully described. Every time we describe them, they have a new body part. They've got gills. They've got feathers. They've got arms, mandibles, tentacles. They're squishy. They have a lot of bones, many mouths, many <laughs> eyes. Any body part you can imagine they have. Uh, and that is a lot of fun to write every time you get to like, oh, my mandible is itching or your gills are full of off-white gunk. You get a nice little body horror moment in there. It's a lot of fun. That's one yeah, of my like favorite parts of the podcast and it was just these like gorgeous little details and surprises every few minutes. And you're like listening and they're talking about themselves. And I'm going, what? Wait a second. I thought they had this or I thought it was like that. And you think you have a picture of something in your mind. But I think that's what makes your podcast so exciting is that it always is constantly surprising you and you never know where it's going to go. So it's just lovely. And you really get to take advantage of the of that audio medium where you don't see anything and so things mm -hmm. can constantly change was it originally gonna be a podcast was that the original idea yes the original idea is that we wanted it to be an audio only thing uh, alex had released a previous podcast called voices from the umbra uh, that is kind of a multimedia thing it's got a website it's got a lot of visual art uh and a lot of uh documents that go along with it uh, so go check that out. That one's called Voices from the Umbra, wherever you get your podcast. It's completed now. So 12 episodes, about one hour each. It's, it's very good. And he wanted to do another audio podcast, another audio drama thing. And I think it's a great idea. I think it's a lot of fun. It reaches such a larger audience than my plays usually do, which is very exciting. Like even 30 listens. If 30 people show up to a live play... That's a good day. That is for for people writing the kind of work that that we do uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and really just anybody working in the American theater, it's it can be such a grind. And if you're doing experimental new work, uh, you're not rehashing Shakespeare or X Y Z. You're not doing another production of, uh, I guess, um, Streetcar or mm -hmm. whatever. Nothing nothing wrong with Streetcar. Love Streetcar. Uh, yeah, no, but I think it's also a yes and thing. And Monty, you're you're working your chops. There's a little bit of a quality of like television writing to this in the sense mm -hmm. that it's episodic, it's periodical or a periodic. You've got a deadline you got to make. And uh, how did you uh, find the, the the actors 
for this. Uh, yeah. So we did, we did an audition. Um, me and Alex went to the same school. We set, set out the auditions on social media. And of course, most people who, <clears throat> most people who applied are just friends of ours, people we knew from school. And we looked at all of those and that's where we got our main cast. I actually, Allison, who plays Bethany, one of the main aliens, is my roommate. So she was very easy to find. And now she can't get rid of me. Knock, knock, uh, knock. And knock, knock, if knock. she's late to anything, I can just go get her right away. Um, <laughs> and then Raimi, who plays Jonas, the other alien, is just lives a little bit uptown from me. I live in New York City. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show yet. Uh, so it's been very easy. And then we have a supporting cast of people. One of our supporting cast, Ellis, actually lives in the Twin Cities. Hey. And they send their uh, recordings to us. Another Excellent. person. Our announcements person sends them in from Denver. Uh, I've been working with a special guest for episode 10, who's going to send the recordings in from Wilmer, Minnesota. So shout okay. out to Wilmer, Minnesota. Are you serious? I'm from like 30 minutes west of there. Like I grew up going to Wilmer. That's where the grocery wow. store was and like the theater was or like, yeah. the, you know, movie theater and like, you know, who the Dairy Queen and, <laughs> you know, where we used to like hang out as kids and, and you know, oh my, my best gosh. friend uh, owns a house in Wilmer, Minnesota. Oh, shoot. OK, so we have to off offline. We got to get we got to hook this up and then that's probably our next guest. We'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. That well, what a, a funny coincidence. This, you know, the world is very small, especially the the theater, arts, and culture world. the <laughs> The circles can run very small. So I'm very looking forward to to meeting them and catching up about the the movie theater and Dairy Queen in Wilmer, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I think he'd be happy to talk to you about that. All right. Well, and we got to get them out to what we got going on for sure. Just mm -hmm. a reminder, the new, and actually, I think this is a new announcement. The, the season that we're doing, the four events, two readings, our first full production of Sean Raycraft's great play, One Good Marriage, and then Art of Darkness Live, my other podcast, which is an arts biography profiling show about the dark side of creativity. That's all now on the website. You can RSVP for the free events, the live podcast and the two readings and tickets for uh, One Good Marriage will be going on sale soon. You can join the mailing list. Find it all. BadmouthTC.com. Come out. Come out. See live readings, live theater. We're going to record a live podcast for the first time. We are jacked. We're pumped. We got to get out there and do things. We got to we got to go be live and in the room, like Mari pointed out on our on our on our pilot. Uh, and and uh, and Monty, uh, segueing gently from that, when did you get bit by the theater bug? When did you know? Okay, I'm going to write a crazy plays, and I'm going to this. I've got to use this medium to express myself. Okay, uh, I know that story well because I've put it, been putting it on my. Uh grad school applications. So I'll, I'll do the long version of it. I got into the arts in general in, I think, fourth grade. Um, neither of my parents are very into the arts. Um, you know, they do creative things, but they aren't, aren't art artists. And I had an orchestra come to my elementary school and they had an orchestra program and I saw someone sitting down to play their instrument. So I learned how to play the cello because it was the only one that was sitting down at the time. And I got to the first rehearsal and everyone was sitting down. So I could have picked any instrument, but I had picked the cello at that point. And I stuck with that through a couple of years of college. But I also then got a bass guitar in middle school and I thought music was going to be my thing. Uh, I still got a bass guitar in my room right now. I still play every now and again. And then in high school, on the first day, we don't have any classes. It's just um, an activity fair just to get you used to high school. And I'm walking around with my best friend who lives in Wilmer, Minnesota now, named Jacob. And we come across the drama club booth. 
and I had no interest in drama club. Jacob did the middle school musical. He got cast as the beast. And he said, you want to do this? I said, sure. I love to lie. And I joined the drama club and I did every play. I was involved in every play except for one for my four years in high school. And I decided, well, if I'm not going to go to school for music, I'm going to go to school for theater. And I had my senior year, I took a, an AP writing course and then a creative writing course. And my teacher said, hey, you've got a knack for this. And I decided, you know what, I, I really do enjoy this. When I go to school, I'm going to focus on playwriting. And I got to school. I was going to focus on playwriting, stepped foot on campus, and I had never written a single play. And that's how I started. I took my first playwriting course the second semester and just went from there. Tremendous. I This is a great show title, by the way, is I Love to Lie with Monty <laughs> D. Montalegre. Dynamite. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. Fantastic. I might I, have I to put that as my bio on my <laughs> website. I Love to Lie. Right. Well, it's the it's the lie that tells the truth, right? That's not mm -hmm. an original idea. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's a capital T truth. Uh, so that's very exciting. Great story, uh, Monty. And, uh, it's cool that you still, you've been able to hold on to a friend for that long <laughs> through yeah, all the lies. Me, oh, me and Jacob have been best friends since fourth grade mm. and been in wow. each other's lives since I think first grade. Hmm. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, a lot of friendships don't survive that long. What's your, <laughs> what's your secret? Yeah. Oh, you both just got to really like food. <laughs> <laughs> what you guys if you ever have an issue or you just you just bond over food like is there a particular no, we, we yeah. get a lot of a lot of food we also have always had like the same interests uh he's the one that got me into tabletop role-playing games uh -huh, when we were in right. elementary school okay way too young to understand what any of the rules were just like i'm an elf now cool <laughs> Yeah, that is an underreported phenomenon, I think, particularly in uh, the American theater, is the number of RPG kids who eventually mm -hmm. cross over. Uh, that would be if I if somebody put a gun to my head, which is probably what it would take to <laughs> for to go do a uh, like a PhD in performance studies or something. I would love to do that. I would do it on. I would begrudgingly do it on the uh theatricality of tabletop role playing mm -hmm. it's a form of theater that is it's actually probably the most widespread form of theater that's practiced in america mm -hmm. all of these people are doing they're doing theater especially yeah. like the the larpers uh oh, yeah. but even but even at a table it's you're doing a kind of theater I mean, with yeah the mm -hmm. some of the most popular podcasts are actual plays of people playing Dungeons and Dragons usually or another tabletop role-playing game and it's, telling stories using that medium. And it, it is theater. It's audio drama. Yeah, I know a gal who actually played the part of Tilly in She Kills Monsters, um, which is about a play about Dungeons and Dragons mm -hmm. and uh, this uh, young woman's sister who played uh, dies and she starts playing the game and reading her notes and uh, and has her own character and starts experiencing who her sister was through that game. And it's just this really beautiful play. And mm. actually, so this, the young woman uh, who played Tilly, Rebecca Hausman is her name. Shout out Rebecca uh, <laughs> lives in LA now. And her and her partner actually have a D and D podcast where mm. they play with all of their friends and record it as they're playing. It's wild. Yeah, it's a, it's a blast. John Cage would approve. You're you're doing. There's elements of chance. You're rolling the dice. You're and mm -hmm. uh, you're responding to these. Amari, have you ever uh, sort of uh, have you ever rolled the d twenty? <laughs> you know, I I don't. But my sister is a huge is a huge fan of D and D. Monty, do you still play? I um I'm looking at my shelf of role playing games right now. And I had actually pulled this one out called Merkborg. Uh, Kevin, mm. you need to get a copy of this game. I think you'd okay. really enjoy it. Okay, Merk Merkborg. Is that an umlaut? 
Yes, it's an umlaut over the O, M, umlauted O, R, K, B, O, R, G. It is a black metal, old school style dungeon crawl role playing game. All the rules fit on two pages. Nice. Uh, And it is an art book. It is filled to the brim with just black metal art. Very cool. And graphic design. Um, I will. I'm going to try and convince my roommates to play a game with me tonight because I don't have anything else going on. Well, I'm curious. Have you heard of the the copyright situation that's going on? With oh, the OGL? Yeah. I care uh, very deeply about the OGL. <laughs> yeah, talk about that um, a little bit because I feel so like it's big in, news. <laughs> yeah. In addition to uh, my playwriting, I am also occasionally a independent role-playing game designer. Um, and I just little indie things. I think the most recent thing I put out is uh, D66 tables for old school fantasy games. But the OGL is a license from Wizards of the Coast, which is owned by Hasbro, that allows independent uh, RPG creators to use the Dungeon and Dragons system to create their own products. What that means is you can write a game uh, using the Dungeons & Dragons system, you can adapt that into other genres, and you can write third-party products for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition and earlier editions. It's almost like they're making D&D open source. Mm -hmm. Well, it was. Right? It was. The OGL is... and they're back to where they were started at. They tried to cancel the OGL, and people were not happy. Uh, Hasbro has long thought that they're not making enough money off Dungeons and Dragons. The reason they're working on D and D one right now, which is the next edition of D and D, they're not going to call it the next edition, but it's the next edition of D and D, is because you reach a saturation point with these games where no one's going to buy 5e anymore because they all own 5e everybody has the books Hmm. we can't release more products for it because they already own so many products for it so we have to release a new game and with dnd1 uh hasbro and wizards of the coast were going to cancel the ogl or release ogl 1.2 which would mean that you cannot publish content for dungeons and dragons or using the Dungeons and Dragons system without cutting them in. Uh, mm. Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast would have to make a profit from that. So and just that was for, for be, uh, I beg your pardon. So just for people yeah. who don't know, OGL it means open game license. So yes. it's a copyright, a property, an uh, intellectual property license. I just wanted to say that. Go on, yes. Monty. Uh, and that was going to be a big problem for actual play content producers like your friend, because that kind of content was not directly covered in the new version of the OGL, which was leaked. It was not supposed to get out, and people were <gasps> canceling their D&D Beyond subscription and protest, and Hasbro had to walk it back because people were that upset about it. Um, the open gaming license is the reason Pathfinder exists. Pathfinder is an offshoot of 3.5 D&D. When uh, Wizards of the Coast released D&D 4th edition. The Pazio made Pathfinder because they were publishing content for 3.5 and then made their own system. Uh, And there's a lot of OSR, old school role-playing games that use old D&D, advanced D&D, and basic and expert D&D as their base systems, including old school Essentials, which is a rehash and republishing of the rules for Dungeons and Dragons from 1981. Uh, so if you want to play some really old school D&D, go pick up Old School Essentials. I played it last week. It was a blast. I played a druid named Stump Mahogany. <laughs> All right. Uh, and how many levels did Stump Mahogany reach, Monty? People I are reached, dying to know. I reached level two. Okay. Um, That's not bad. In one night? That's in one good. night, okay. so that's mm-hmm. two thousand XP because mm-hmm. I joined a party that had been around for a while, and we got up to some shenanigans. Okay, as one right. does as a mm-hmm. druid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a tough class to play, druids. Yeah, it's not yeah. easy. 
I rolled a, we did 3d6 down the line, so I just rolled a high wisdom and went with it. I was going right. to try and play a different thing, but. I, I did not expect set. this episode to take this turn, but I'm <laughs> loving it. And my, you're, yeah, you're hardcore with Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, kid, kid, I know a lot about that specific thing. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so cool. And it, and you started playing this when you were younger. Did that, do you feel like that's influence? It must have influenced your oh, yeah. theatrical sensibility. Um, and, yeah, I, I know it did mine. Yeah. I think the reason that a lot of my stage plays, like it's all read like a metaphor or something, or this play that I did last weekend called Diner Booth Fracture, are so open-ended in what they can be about is because I played role-playing games growing up where you everything has to be flexible because there's such an element of chance to them. And I wanted to incorporate that element of chance into the directing of these things. And there's also a musicality to your, mm -hmm. your work. So this makes a lot of sense. I feel a Midwestern sensibility. I know now that you are a hardcore tabletop role-playing mm -hmm. guy and you have a musical background and if people go and listen to it's all read like a metaphor or something at badmouthtc.com you'll probably pick up on all of that tell us about this di diner booth uh fracture yeah, yeah. diner booth fracture is a six minute play with 30 scenes <laughs> okay what <laughs> <laughs> sorry um it is a break that down for us monty <laughs> it yeah, is a help. two character uh play a man and a young girl. Uh, the man's supposed to be in his middle 40s to 50s. And the girl's anywhere from 8 years old to 13 years old. And that changes in every scene. It is uh, every scene, every fracture is a new kind of reality. And we're sprint fracturing off from the original reality of these two in a diner to this kind of more monstrous reality where there is a monster coming after these two people or one of these people or one of them's a monster or the other one's a monster and we just kind of get there as we break from reality to reality and there is a youtube recording of it up on my youtube right there's a lot What's of it? bell mm. sounds in it wow what is the and this is the other thing about you is that you're experimental you're, oh, you're yeah. always you're playing with form what is theater what is a play uh where can people find that youtube channel monty uh it's i what is my youtube name goodness i'm sure they could just find it if they just do monty d montalegre <laughs> yeah uh, just look YouTube. up monty d montalegre i think that's the title of my youtube channel yeah and if you're wondering how to spell that name i'm gonna plug it one more time you gotta go to our website badmouthtc.com for yeah. sure uh you have another play that we were poking around possibly mm -hmm. doing maybe one day we will do it i love this play uh, it's called salt mother do you want to talk a little bit about salt mother and then we'll kind of wind down yeah believe it or yeah. not the time the time is flown we could do oh, yeah we could do five hours it'd be like one of your experimental plays <laughs> yeah and we'd have to like roll a dice to see like what the next question or like where it would be uh -huh. or who would answer oh, oh, guys mm -hmm. yeah did you circling back real quick, Monty? Did you use a special? Do you like do voices when you do D and D? Do you go that hard? Uh, I I sometimes do. I I run a lot of games, and I'll use. I don't go as hard as other people. Um, I have a couple of stock voices. One of them is this voice. Um, <laughs> but I have a couple that? of other ones. What, oh, I can make all that? sorts of. I can uh, squeeze my throat and use it to make this voice. I'll do um, that too. Oh, you sound like Stitch. Oh, <laughs> Stitch. Oh, Stitch. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, wow. My when I do uh, when I'm playing as a character, I usually settle on a speech pattern and go from there rather than a specific voice. Can, can you, you tell accents? us how did? Mm. Uh, I don't have a lot of good accents. I can do. Uh, I can do the Southern accent that everybody in America can do, and that's about it. Not on this pod. Uh, <laughs> just, just kidding. Um, how did how did Stump Mahogany talk? If you care to. Uh, okay, Stump Mahogany. I jumped into this very quickly, so he has mostly my voice, but just like very aloof about it. 
another character reached out for a handshake and then said they pull their hand back like a viper and Stump just went, cool, and then went on to the next person. <laughs> cool. All right. Right <laughs> out. Awesome, man. Well, and so now tell tell people a little bit about this create this very experimental short play for one person, Salt yeah. Mother. Yeah. So tell us Salt, about Salt Mother. Mother. Salt Mother is an immersive play. Uh, and it is for one audience member and five or more actors. And it is a cult meeting where the audience member is coming to a meeting of the cult of the salt mother to see uh, the salt mother preach. And it is about 10 minutes long. They see the beginning of the meeting, the pre-meeting, and they also see a sermon and they hear the cult sing to them in a couple of songs. And then uh, the salt mother comes and talks to them in front of the cult. And then it's over. And we did this at Denver Denver Fringe. Uh, It won the best immersive show of that festival, which is super cool. And we did not expect or know that that was a category going in. Uh, And I got to go to Denver and see it and be a part of it and talk to some of the audience members afterwards, including one guy who said, this is designed from the ground up to give me as much anxiety as possible. So thank you for that. I love it. And this is a play that when we, when this came across our desks, I just, the, it's like, I want to do this because I would love to see this done. Mm-hmm. And that is the, that is the, the, the juice that you want. Uh, playwrights, when you're writing, like, if you don't feel bad about your own writing, you're not doing it right. Uh, a play mm-hmm. is a blue pr- blueprint. You got to write it so much that, you got to write it so hard and with so much feeling and make it interesting because I'll tell you, I've been in some literary offices uh, for, for theater companies and and the stacks of submissions that they get, it's ridiculous. So you've got to stand out somehow. And this play, this play certainly does both in form, but also uh, just on the page. What's the origin of this play, Monty? How did this come to um, you? Oh yeah. Our, our and don't tell friend. me you also lead a cult. Oh uh, yeah. I lead a cult. <laughs> Not on purpose, you know, they just grow up around me. Uh, no, our mutual friend, Tom Block, who started the Cut Edge. Coming on uh, the collective. coming on the uh, the podcast soon. Tom Block, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah, you all get to meet Tom. He's coming on the podcast soon. But I went to see one of his plays, and I can't remember the title of it. Make sure to ask him. And it is, as a lot of his work, is aggressive to the audience. Um, it wants the audience to feel aggravated. Um, I watched a show where he had the audience sit on stage and the cast sit in the chairs. And for the whole time, the cast is just talking about when when's the show going to start? And they bring some pizza on and they eat pizza in silence for three minutes. And it's awesome. Do and their thought, cell phones go off? <laughs> <laughs> they should. Right. And then, it ends, uh, the first act ends with a stabbing. And then you are shuffled into the lobby and the stage manager comes out and forces you to do improv with them. And it is beautifully torturous. Wow. And I thought, if Tom can do that, I can do, I can do something for one audience member that's going to be a very evocative experience. Uh, and that's where it came from. And I, I've been interested in writing a cult uh, story at some point, and those two things just came together in this. I think I had started a few other ones that never really went anywhere, and this is the one that went somewhere. The subject of cults is fascinating. People mm-hmm. are always interested. I watched that documentary about Nexium. I don't know if you've seen that. Yes, uh, the the Vow. Uh, I think it's on HBO. Yeah, it's an America in cults. 
they're like this. They're very close. Mm-hmm. They're they're very tight. It's you can't tell the story of America if you don't talk about cult leaders and yeah. cult figures. And uh, so, yeah, who knows? Maybe Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota will do. Who knows? We'll see. We got to figure mm-hmm. it out. We got to figure out the right context. When you did this in Denver, when you did Salt Mother in Denver, where where did you do it? We did it in the back room of a bar. Love it. Called Fort Green. So they had a back room and they were serving people while we did the show and we just brought our audience to their back room and pushed them in there. That's so much like Waldman. We do our mm-hmm. stuff in the Buffalo room. It's a kind of a smallish room in the back upstairs of this old German farmhouse in, in St. Paul. Just tremendous. Uh, we're, we're winding down. We're coming down to time. Uh, you can find Monty at his website. Uh, it is, it's Monty Montalegre.com or Monty Monty D Montalegre.com. And it's M O N T E D. And then can you spell the surname? Yeah. My last name is M O N T E L E A G R E. It's also at Badmouth Theater Company's website, which is at badmouthtc.com. Our new season is online. We've got three free events in St. Paul at Waldman Brewery. And then our first production is going to be at the Phoenix Theater uh, in Minneapolis in Uptown. That is happening in May. So we've got stuff coming at you from March until June. And that's the first half of our season for this year. We don't even know what we're going to do in the fall. It depends on what we roll for our wisdom score. Uh, you know, and Amanda, we can turn into uh, a cult. We might. You know? We mm-hmm. well, that is the that is aspirational. Uh, so maybe maybe <laughs> we'll we'll get we'll get that lucky. Who knows? Uh, but please do support Monty. Check out Inc. the podcast and uh, follow along if you're in New York City and Mari is. Uh, I'm sure there are going to be opportunities to to check out Monty's work. And again, we'll we'll see what we can do about bringing some of it to the Twin Cities. Monty, what do you have coming up next? You got anything to promote uh, in terms of theater? Or uh, just go listen to Ink right now. Most of my work has been applying to grad school, and that's so the best way to do it is to just go listen to Ink. We are going to put out get Monty into a good grad program vibes. <laughs> get him into a good program. Yeah, let's go. Roll that 20. Roll that 20. That's right. We're rolling that 20. Yeah, let's yes. put it out in the air. Uh, well, I'm I'm Kevin Kautzman. This is Amanda Forstrom and Mari Sittner. And you've been listening to Mouthing Off, a theater arts and culture podcast online and on Frogtown Radio, 94.1 FM, St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks, Monty. Thanks for coming. Thank you. 